0: Welcome to the Mind Money Spectrum Podcast, where your hosts, Aaron Ogti and Trishal Patel, go beyond traditional finance questions to help you explore how to use your money to achieve the freedom you want in life. How do skiing and snowboarding relate to teaching children grit? How do you learn to say no? And where does Zelda Breath of the Wild fit in with all this? In this episode, Trishal and Aaron discuss how winter sports and video games serve as examples of the balance between pushing through failure and knowing when to quit. And now, on to our conversation. Hi, my name is Aaron Oggetty.
1: I'm a financial advisor in the Bay Area, and I'm here with Trishal Patel, a wealth manager on the East Coast.
0: Hey, Aaron, great to be here today, and thanks everybody for listening.
1: Great to be here as well. So, we are officially in snow season where there's been an enough precipitation. Uh, again, I'm in the Bay Area, so I usually go up to Tahoe, but there's been enough where I, I am looking forward to skiing and, and snowboarding. Well, I'm looking forward to skiing. I believe Trishul likes to snowboard. So, we've talked about this in the past, just in our friendly conversations, that we both like getting on the mountain for these respective snow sports and we want to use that as context for some of the other kind of life lessons or life philosophies that we've taken from this so this is going to be a a fun conversation that might get weird and philosophical but I think Trish and I will enjoy it and I hope that you do too because I I have a a story I want to want to get to in a few minutes but first I want to ask you Trishal What has been your experience skiing and or snowboarding?
0: So I grew up in the Northeast in New York specifically, and it was outside of the city. So we call it upstate New York. And that's a loose definition because basically anything north of the city, because the city is on, you know, the southeastern part of New York, could potentially be called upstate, but, um, technically it's 95% of new york it could be called upstate new york, <laughs> by that definition however the you know the real upstaters like to say they're at least a couple hours outside of the city but we we were a good 60 miles but still consider ourselves upstate n- nevertheless uh, you know new-, new york itself has uh i think one of the most n- numerous land area in terms of national parks except you know some of the bigger states but it it's pretty much up there there's a lot of low-lying mountains and stuff like that so that there's um places to ski and stuff so that that's why i picked it up pretty young so i I probably got on the slopes for the first time when i was like six or seven something like that I, i can't remember exactly when but it was one of those things where we probably went once or twice a year you know until i i became a teenager and started doing it a bit more often and i first started with skiing i was one of those kids who strapped on the skis, you know, we didn't have helmets at the time. I don't even <laughs> know if, if that was a thing, but uh, yeah, you, you strap on the skis, no poles. And we used to go to this small mountain where it's just one lift. So it's not really a, a mountain. Maybe it's a glorified hill. And it had the T bar. If, if you're familiar with that, Aaron, yeah. you know, yeah. the, the, so it's, it's just, kind of old school type of lift system. Sometimes they have them on the bunny slopes at the bigger places. I've never actually ridden
1: one, but I know what you're talking about. I've seen pictures.
0: Yeah, and it looks like it was developed in the 50s. and Uh,
1: It might be be older than that.
0: (laughs) It could be. But basically, it's a bar with a T on it, and um, the T is facing upside down, and the bar is connected to uh, a cable, which pulls you up the mountain or the hill and somebody can sit on the left and somebody can sit on the right part of the T and hopefully you don't fall, but basically somebody falls every 20 seconds. So that's <laughs> Kind of how it works. And yeah. So learning on that, I think the challenging part was getting up the hill for me, I guess. And then coming <laughs> down, I was one of those kids where I didn't use the poles because I didn't know what to do with them. Maybe but I, I just strapped on the skis and just went straight down and didn't even know how to turn or anything. That was just kind of my, my early experience. I don't know if it really call is counted as skiing. It's more like how fast can you get down the mountain without trying to turn because if you do, you <laughs> won't know what you're doing <laughs> or just stumble. But, but yeah, that, that was my early experience with skiing. I, I, of course, got better over the years.
1: Okay, but now you snowboard.
0: I do so. Okay, so in high school, I started to ski a lot more often. My skis got longer. I got some poles. I had racing skis by the end, which were much taller than me. But that just meant I liked to go fast, I guess. But then uh, around junior senior year, I got my first snowboard and I actually tried it. And you know, the, the short, the long story short is, I've been snowboarding for over twenty years. I guess it's like twenty three years at this point, and it's one of those things where not now that I am able to snowboard pretty well, I, it's just something where it's like walking to me, you know, I, I just get on, strap them in and go down the mountain. And I don't worry about falling or anything like that. I don't try to do anything crazy <laughs> anymore. You know, I just am there for the ride and enjoy the, the nice cruise down to the bottom and just kind of repeat. So that's how it's been for me and that I do love it. it, it it's a nice way to, kind of just enjoy being outdoors. And, you know, maybe there is a bit of exercise to it as well, but it it's one of those where I could go, you know, most of the day without falling at this point, or I probably don't fall anymore if I don't really push myself. Yeah, from that standpoint, it's just more of a good recreational sport.
1: That That's actually a great point. I think I've, I've had a similar observation that I really love getting in the mountain it, it it's almost like it's something I genuinely enjoy. I'm outside, and like you can't use your phone or a screen, kind of thing. Like it, it's like it almost forces you to be off a screen in a way. And so there are times where I've I have felt it's a little cathartic. I have felt that it's some parts of a workout. Like I, sometimes I'll go a little harder, and like my legs will get sore. Sometimes I'll go a little easier. Uh, where I'm not really trying to run a risk of falling or crashing, um, but that genuine that feeling of being outdoors, uh, like like you said, that that feeling of just kind of cruising down the mountain. I I really do enjoy that feeling. That that is something that that's a really good perspective. So yeah, it, it, it
0: it's it's actually so, really neat being on um, being able to kind of fly down the mountain on a plank going you know I don't know how fast we go was it 30 40 50 <laughs> miles per hour and you feel like you're in control yeah and you just kind of feel the you know being so low to the ground that you're you know getting all that fresh air and you know just going past at a at a sensible pace and just enjoying the ride it's really neat
1: okay so one Last question. Do you remember your transition from skiing to snowboarding? And I'm going to give context for that later.
0: Yeah, I, I do. I, I think uh, I know what you're getting at. Um, so, yeah, the, the first time out on a snowboard after skiing, it, it, I think we traded in the snowboard <laughs> to get skis. Or, oh, really? You know, yeah. It uh, It's rough. It's rough. If you go out there um when you're learning to snowboard you will fall nonstop. um whereas with skis at that point with you know with skiing we it's just like how i'm with snowboarding now you just don't have to fall if you don't want to <laughs> unless you are trying something silly Uh but okay. yeah it, it hurt a lot <laughs> i remember that
1: um okay so th- th- thank you for that. that that does kind of confirm and lead into what i was thinking so I didn't learn until I was in college, and I first learned on a snowboard. Uh, and I, I took some lessons, and it took me. I was probably up. I had like a five day trip, and it wasn't until like the third day that it kind of clicked. Um, where I remember we were doing North Star, and I think went to Mount Rose, and I was I was kind of doing okay on the green runs. Uh, but eventually I went, there was one really wide, really steep blue run on Mount Rose. And because it was really, really wide, probably a couple hundred yards wide, but it was really steep. Like it forced me to get that faster turn. And like that one particular run sticks in my memory of once I got that heel to toe, toe to heel, Like, I started feeling really comfortable. And so from that point on, I could do, I felt comfortable on blues. I probably did a black later that trip, but it was all within that first five days, I think, where I was able to kind of get to a black. Um, So I I did some snowboarding. And when my kids were born, when my oldest, my first child, got to about four or five. So I think she turns, her birthday's in February. So probably uh, right before her fifth birthday. Uh we took her up to the mountain and I wanted to start her on skis. And there's a few reasons and I'll, I'll kind of get to that context. But so when she started the skis, I being the, trying to be a good dad, was like, you know what? I will learn how to ski also so that as I'm learning to ski, I can kind of help her when we're not when we're not doing a lesson specifically. And I remember the first group lesson. Uh, there's 10 of us and 8 of the 10 people in that 1 hour did not fall down. The now I don't think the group lesson was worth it very much cuz we only did like two runs down the super bunny slope because the instructor had to ki- keep picking up the same two people over and over again. But I remember the first time on skis I didn't fall down until like later in the day and there's that big difference of when you learn how to ski, it is possible because you can do the wedge that you won't fall down your first day. That is possible. Whereas a snowboard, that's virtually impossible. You're going to fall down over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. It, it's just constant, it's, and it's just the way that you have to learn. The difference being, while I could get to blacks on a snowboard kind of within that first week or two. It probably took me two seasons of skiing to get to the point where I felt comfortable on blacks where you can wedge on skis and it gives you a lot more control a lot more stability to be able to stand without falling, but you have to then advance to parallel skiing and that's a a new skill set that you have to practice and develop whereas on a snowboard you're kind of going from beginner to advanced and uh, the phrase I've heard the most common is snowboarding is harder to learn, easier to master. Skiing is easier to learn, harder to master. And this played out for me pretty consistently. And this to this point, uh, I still feel pretty comfortable on on blues. And but like I have to be ready for a black. I don't go skiing quite often enough and like really develop my skills. I can go down a black, but that parallel turning is still harder than carving on a snowboard. And the reason I wanted to bring this up today and talk to you about this today, my oldest is now 10. So she's been skiing for five years and she asked to switch to snowboarding. She tells me it's because her friend snowboards and she wants to learn how to snowboard with her friend. As her parent, my guess is that while she is comfortable skiing down greens and blues and can kind of wedge turn, and if she really is focusing on a green, she might do a couple parallel turns, she has not gotten to that point where she can consistently parallel turn to be able to get down blues and maybe blacks faster or under control. And so it feels a little bit like she is... Quitting skiing because it's getting hard, and I'm okay in this particular example because she's going to go to snowboarding, and we usually do a, a season rental for the equipment, so it's not a day by day. We usually um, uh, rent it for the season, so she knows she's going to have the snowboard this season. I've made it very clear, and she knows she's going to fall over and over again. But I think, and my my guess and my hope is that that snowboarding and that frustration over and over and over again is going to force her to practice to get good enough in a way that she wasn't forced to while skiing. And on the flip side, it's actually related to why I wanted my kids to start at skiing at five-ish or just before their fifth birthday. Because I didn't want them to have... I didn't want the five-year-old to have that initial frustration of constantly falling over and over and over again. I wanted them to have some of those kind of early successes and build up skills slowly. And then they can choose to switch to snowboarding knowing what it'll be like and having spent a few seasons on a mountain watching others. And I wanted to get your your kind of opinions on these philosophies, whether it's raising children, maybe, but also just kind of how it applies to work ethic, grit, that initial frustration, overcoming frustrations. um, When is it okay to quit versus when you should persevere? Uh, Is, is snowboarding a good example? Like, Um, because you snowboard a lot. I'm really curious when your daughter gets old enough, will you want her to snowboard as well? Or would you give her a chance on skis? Like this is what I'm thinking about today. It is that initial frustration, how to, I guess I say how to teach kids as a parent, but also it applies to anyone getting out of college. And when they take a job that is teaching them some skills, but they don't quite like it, but maybe they're good at it. Like, like the all of these concepts of when do you persevere, when do you try and find something that's better suited for you? how do you build up those skill sets? Can you develop grit? So okay, given all of these contextual philosophical ramifications and parenting lessons that I've discussed, what comes to mind for you first?
0: Well, I, I think it it comes down to two things, and you you kind of alluded to them, but just to put it more clearly, or or how I would might how I might put it is, yeah, my mindset has a lot to do with it. You know, that's the first thing, and you know that notion of you might have that initial motivation to pick up one of these two things, but it's. Likely not going to be that that motivation that keeps you at it. It's going to have to be a little bit more than that, and that's especially true with snowboarding because it can be painful. <laughs> like it can really hurt falling down. But you know, I, I think the second thing is also beyond mindset. The setting helps as well. So you know, just going into it with um, you know the right equipment, the right uh, atmosphere. For example, when you're learning to snowboard. Oh, boy, does it help if there's some good powder there, you know, to, to cushion that fall? <laughs> if you end up there on the wrong day and it's a sheet of ice on the mountain, it's going to hurt, you know, a million times more than it will if you have an eight foot, you know, or sorry, eight inches of fluffy white powder to soften every blow. Um, Incidentally, that works a little bit against you because too much powder means it's so hard to move that you can't. Really yeah, you like have to like jump <laughs> out
1: of the powder to be able to turn.
0: Yeah, and then that's even triply hard when you're on the bunny slope, which barely has a gradient. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, you know, the first thing is, yeah, the mindset. And the second is the setting. And the setting is probably the easier one to control. You know, try to go on a day where it's, you know, more likely to lead to better results. And that can make a pretty big difference. You know, the fir- also what I realize is... Um, Wearing like a double layer of pants when you're snowboarding, you know the the super puffy ones, and oh, then maybe yeah. another layer. <laughs> we always talked about the first time I was out there. Maybe I should have brought a pillow, you know, for my backside or <laughs> my bottom, <laughs> and then like knee pads if you have them. That can help as well. So I think oh, little tricks like that, yeah, can make a pretty big difference. Um, you know, just getting past those initial. Learning pains, which again, I completely agree with. Skiing, you probably don't need to fall unless you um, are really pushing yourself. Conservatively, you could kind of be okay the first couple of days without taking a big tumble. But yeah, with, with snowboarding, the way you learn is you got to try to get your balance, and it's maybe like um, like skateboarding. I don't know exactly, but it, you're basically like pseudo surfing skateboarding but you're pointed downward so you have a lot of you know um, gravity pulling you further down the mountain and what you need to do is try to keep your weight forward but all of your instincts are saying pull back because you want to go slower and that's the wrong thing to do so you kind of have to mentally condition yourself to overcome your instincts frankly to Shift forward and lean into the mountain rather than pulling back up, which will make you lose control. Leaning in will give you control, but it'll make you go faster. So that's the tricky part. And it's the psychological game, this mindset that you have to kind of ingrain into yourself. And frankly, I don't know if there's a better way beyond just trying it and falling and, you know, getting back up and doing it again and just keep repeating until you get there.
1: I remember telling her. So we usually go to Diamond Peak in Tahoe in Incline Village, and there's Schoolhouse, which is the super bunny learning slope, Um, and it's relatively flat. Uh, And then there's Lodgepole, which is their normal green. Uh, It's so it goes up a little higher. And I remember telling her, kind of prepared her, like she needs to get for snowboarding to get off Schoolhouse and onto Lodgepole as fast as possible. Because I, I know like you talked about that with that gradient, like just a snowboard on a flat section is actually h- harder to control than a nice, easier green that's going has – has a little bit of a downhill. Um, but the other thing you said, it – that I think – so the setting is going to be harder because basically you have to work on school schedule. So it's like I, I can't qu- – I can't quite choose just to go up when it's fluffy and like a nice been a nice powder day. So that's going to be a little harder. Uh, The knee pads I might try and help her with. But when you said balance, that word that word stuck in my head because now that I think about it, I don't know that I've had to develop balance on skis. I never quite thought about that. I have to develop technique and that feeling of your side edges and like how your ankles and knees and hips work together. But I haven't thought, like, you don't really need to develop balance to get better at skis whereas with a snowboard yeah you you're kind of learning that the entire time that's 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 everything you're doing is just developing that balance and yeah that, that's that's an yep. interesting perspective i like that mm-hmm.
0: yeah no that that's right you you mentioned like with the skis you know the, the pizza maneuver right where mm-hmm. the skis ideally when you're a professional they're parallel to each other but when you're learning a good way to control your speed is to, you know, have the tips of the the skis pointed at each other or close to each other, so that, you know, in the front they're near each other, in the back they're they're far apart. So it looks like a, a pizza, right? And at that point, it's kind of like a tripod. You have you know three points of stability, whereas with yeah a snowboard you only got two, and there's no poles to add more stability. So you're basically on one plank and it's your job to figure out how to yeah get get a balance out of that
1: so now i'm like are there drills okay okay. so it's like i'm already like my first question was are there things i can do down here off the mountain to like help her develop that balance but my second was like well is that me being an overbearing parent making her practice or is that like genuinely trying to help her and like and i think that ends up being one of the bigger questions i ask myself a lot especially with kids how much do you push them and like my middle daughter she we're she's now eight she's been learning how to pitch for softball and learning that fast pitch motion she's Showing some pro- promise, and it's like, okay, if we keep working on this, she will probably keep pitching on her uh, softball teams. And I-, I have no idea how how good she'll get, but it's like, do I keep pushing this? And she likes practicing with me, but she won't choose to go out and practice by herself. She'll choose to do something else inside. It's like, I- and I-, I wonder about that. Like, I've had conversations with other parents who are also coaches and they have the same kind of questions like how much do you push cuz i know stories of parents who pushed kids really hard um my wife played golf she she still plays golf but she played golf in high school against another girl who eventually turned pro and we've seen her on the LPGA and this one girl, she was the the youngest of three kids and the dad pushed all three kids extremely hard and all three of them were really good golfers. Again, the youngest one is a professional golfer. But the other two, once they got to 18, 19, something like that, they quit and haven't talked to their dad since. And that's an example of like I think the parent pushed too hard. Now, like, again, it's like, is his goal to be a good dad or is his do- goal to turn one of his kids into a professional golfer? So it's like, it's a different question. And you get, I know the movie King Richard has come out with um, Serena and Venus Williams and uh, Tiger Woods' dad. There's been similar conversations. And it's kind of, anytime you have a, top level professional athlete, there's probably something like that, but I, I do wonder about like, when are you pushing too much and how, when do you need to push some because their kids are not going to choose to go develop those practice habits and develop that grit?
0: Yeah, that's a very good question. You know, we're kind of taking it year by year on this end and my daughter's four so we're just about at the point where some of these questions are kind of going through our minds. It's not like we've really had to tackle them quite yet, but it is something to think about. right? So right, right now, our daughter is in Mon- a Montessori program. And you know, the, the high level gist of that is it's called like learning through play or unstructured learning. Okay. And the idea there is children have this innate curiosity for picking things up. Um, But also their attention shifts. So the idea is to provide them with ample opportunity to pick up things. Um, If they're interested in something, then encourage that. And if they're not, then, you know, they'll find something else that they're interested in and then encourage that. And the idea is if you cultivate this curiosity at a young age, that hopefully it'll pull them through various points in you know, their, their learning career, which is their, their whole life, to keep that curiosity and that desire for learning growing and cultivated throughout their you know, young, adulthood, young adulthood and adulthood. And then you know, hopefully having that will be what helps sustain their, their maturity through, through the learning curve.
1: That's interesting. I kind of like that that perspective. Um, When you mentioned the age of your daughter, one of the things I I remember thinking at that same time was trying to develop a baseline of competency. This is like my own phrase that I've just tried to describe with other parents. But the idea is like, I'm not going to push my kids to be good enough at any particular thing to do it in college. Like, I'm not trying to get the, to get a athletic college scholarship. But when they're four and five, I want to introduce them to enough things. And I even did lessons for a lot of the things, especially like I was doing at the same time. So that they can figure out the things they like and pursue them in more depth as they get older. So... Uh, my wife played golf so she would take them to the driving range just get like again get them just enough or do they enjoy swinging a club and hitting a ball um i've i've been coaching softball i've I've had them do soccer i did all i did swim lessons for all of them to make sure that they all one they all knew how to swim so if they fell in a pool they'd be able to get themselves out but just having fun in a pool and do they want to keep advancing on this and uh, skiing was another one of those things that's like I wanted them to have a baseline of competency where as they were kind of thinking like do I want to do this they didn't have those initial frustrations that can be easy to kind of force kids to give up because kids being little kids if they're not good at something they want to quit and that, that's a a normal thing they want to do the things that they're good at but so I was trying to just develop this baseline of competency where they wouldn't have those initial frustrations.
0: Yeah, I can see that making sense. You know, so in practice, I don't know how this is going to play out, but I feel like the most important skill, life skill that somebody can have is the skill to, you know, not learn anything specific besides how to learn, meaning, the most important thing we can do is learn how to learn. And if we know how to teach ourselves, you know, how to learn, then I feel like a lot of other things will fall into place.
1: I I kind of agree with that. I, I think in conversations with other parents, especially uh, uh, friends who have older kids, I, the thing I think about is trying to turn on that internal drive like just uh getting them to want to do something independent of a parent or teacher or coach telling them they have to do it and trying to get them like okay i know i can't do this right now i need to practice to get better at this thing that i want to get better at and i've heard kind of various uh versions um I think Dave Grohl, the, he was the drummer for Nirvana, now he's the lead singer for the Foo Fighters. He talked about um, when he was a kid, and like uh, all kids, like if you want to be in a band, you get some instruments, get some friends, you go to the garage, and you just keep playing and you suck. And you come back to it again, the next time, you still suck, but you suck just a little bit less. And you keep doing it again, and this time, you're definitely not good, but maybe you don't really suck. And you keep coming back to it, and okay, now you're still not good, but you can at least sound like you're playing music. And you keep coming back to it again, it's like, okay, still not good, but you're average-ish. And you keep coming back to it again, and you keep playing, and you keep kind of developing, and okay, now you actually start to sound like something. And you keep coming back to it again, and you keep practicing, and okay, now you actually kind of know what you're doing. And you keep coming back to it again, you keep messing up, keep failing, until it takes years for this particular thing. it's like, then you actually, okay, you can actually notice that you have some skill. Um, this has been right about, in I think in the Malcolm Gladwell, talking about the 10,000 hours. Um, uh, one of the theories, like, this is how the Beatles got to that point where they were just playing for, a I think, a random club in Germany seven nights a week for years, something like that. And they just played so much together that they started developing their own style. They're kind of... I think They started to get better and better from that perspective. And... I I do think there's a lot of value in that. But it's... Getting from step one to step two to step three that I think kids have trouble with. And I think we've talked about this a lot of time a lot of times. Is if you anything you want to get better at, anything develop happen you want to develop, you just gotta take one small step and then the second small step and then the third small step. And um, I think about there was uh, the show uh, Luke Cage. I think he referenced this before um, how pops like use the message is always forward, and I took this. I've heard other versions from other people. It was like the idea, like being content with the idea that you are you're pushing yourself to improve. It almost doesn't matter what you're pushing yourself to improve at, but that's kind of what my goal is with my kids is to help them get to the point where they will push themselves to improve because they want to improve. And I, I honestly don't know how to get there. I I wonder about that all the time. And I'm guessing a lot, a lot of parents do as well that they don't want them to, they don't want to push too hard and, Never talk to them again. They don't want to be too laid back because they'll never practice anything and they'll just watch shows on Netflix all the time. But to, like you said, pique that curiosity. Get them like, oh, huh, I wonder, like, can I do this? Can I get just a little bit better? And I think this is something a lot of parents think about, but no one has a... There is no single good solution. It's probably come down to like, every kid is different kind of thing. But, okay, like, I know we started talking about skiing and snowboarding. I like like the Montessori school uh, message. But do do you think about these kind of things as a parent? Yeah, for
0: for sure. I, I think it's still, you know, a big question mark in my mind, frankly, you know, the the Montessori program is supposed to cultivate these ideas. And, you know, from from their perspective, they, they have this, uh, this theory that all children are naturally curious. You know, they go through this period where every third word is why. (laughs) And, you know, part of the, Uh, concern, though, is it's the society that says, no, don't ask why, just do, (laughs) right? And it it kind of puts a hamper on on that innate curiosity, you know, putting us into little cubicles saying, you know, follow these tasks and and don't worry about the big picture. So part of the philosophy is if you really do keep that why alive, you know, beyond a certain tipping point, then it'll become self-sustaining. And again, big question mark. No idea how this is going <laughs> to play out. But I, I still think a good part of it, though, along the way is just, again, learning how to learn. And frankly, the, a big part of that is learning how to fail. Mm. So, you know, you, you, ta- you, you hear those things about slightly better every day. But also along the way, there are going to be some really hard days, some horrible days, some, you know days where you wish you that day didn't happen, right? And it's those days that matter the most. You know, kind of the, the saying is, success isn't about how you succeed, it's about how well you fail. It's the, you know, the idea that in order to succeed, you have to fail. And there's no if, ands, or buts about it. And it's how you handle those failures that will determine your success, not how you handle the success. That's the easier part. And yeah. you know, often what it turns into is, it, yeah, it's, success is all about failure, frankly. And the more often you fail, the better your chances of success. And you know that, that's probably the biggest lesson of it all.
1: So, I, I'm okay. So I want to try and get your take on something. Um, totally different topic, similar context. Uh, a friend gave us his old Wii U system. He got a new gaming system, so he gave it to us, and it came with Zelda: Breath of the Wild. And I realized I haven't been playing video games basically since my oldest was born. So it's been ten years, and now I. Youngest is five, so I can actually have some time to do this. And I pick it up. I've been picking up. I've been really enjoying it. I've actually been enjoying uh, kind of watching my kids play as well. So like I'll, I will uh, be folding laundry and oh, standing in the living room while they're doing this. And I'll, I'll kind of help them along the way, but they have to do it themselves. And for, it's like a super microcosm. But uh, every time one of them dies, like, good job. Awesome. Let's do it again. It's, like, that, like, you know, we're, like, it's teaching them, like, that super, like, okay, you failed, let's try again. You failed, let's try again. You failed, let's try again. And that's been working for them. Like, they, they like, okay, they eventually get there. Yes, we reached the thing. And we defeated this particular monster. And we we got there. We solved the puzzle. Like, and we're getting to, like, small successes, overcoming frustration. But there are also times where they're watching me play and there's i'm exploring i happen to come across a bad guy that just is too strong and i i'm kind of aware that i'm not ready to defeat this and i i kind of like okay i'll well, i'll have to go run away and come back some other, some other time and like once i've found the stronger weapon something like that and so now i'm wondering how do i know and it's just it's just is it my experience just because I'm older? Like, how do I teach them that that difference of, no, this time you have to keep dying and dying and dying and dying until you get it, versus my time where I'm not ready yet, I'm going to quit, run away, and come back later. Like, how do I? Again, the the video game thing is just a microcosm, but I think those those kinds of life decisions do play out. And like I'm curious, like, should I try and fight the monster over and over and over again and like to show them I'm doing the same thing? Yeah. What are your thoughts?
0: Very good question. And you know, frankly, apropos, right. because my um my Black Friday purchase was Breath of the Wild. Oh really? yes it was so that's um for those keeping track this is the second video game I've, i bought in like the last two decades um my first one was a resolution when the pandemic started to um play you know my first game in like a decade or two and that was um oh boy the, the name slipping me it's that that fighting one for for we or for the switch um Anyway, uh, so yeah, Breath of the Wild is what I I picked up a few weeks ago. And I I found it a bit frustrating, to be honest. Because, yeah, you got to die every 10 seconds. And it's a really expansive world. So Mm -hmm. it's Zelda, right? Where Zelda goes around trying to get triangles. So that's what it was three decades ago. Yeah. Um, but, But now it's, you know, the modern version where... You're an actual Zelda character in this whole world where literally the world is open and you can do anything and everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it, it was a bit frustrating for me. In fact, I used it a bunch for the first few days and then I stopped for the last two weeks or three weeks. And, you know, it, it just occurred to me what was happening. And it, it, it it's interesting because it really does highlight this concern that you bring up. When, when do you persist and when do you kind of give up and shift gears and it's it's funny because you know as you were saying what you were saying I I realized that yeah I I did kind of put it aside for now and I did decide decide to shift my priorities and you know just thinking about it one of the the toughest things to deal with is is this notion of yeah when, when do you persist and when do you not persist and you know for me it's been interesting because over time i think i've developed this understanding and it's really subtle because you, you really have to kind of be in tune to pick this up but realizing that you know now is not the time and when now is the time and frankly if now is not the time then it's really tough because if other things are saying now is the time it still may not make sense you know like if now is the time for somebody to graduate and go to college yet that innate understanding inside of them is saying now is not the time then the chances of success are going to be far lower aaron i mentioned this when we started this podcast in like 2019 and into 2020 the pandemic had just hit and another one of my resolutions besides the video game was to kind of try to get in shape. And it's something I've put off for such a long time because it just wasn't the time. I hadn't done much <laughs> for the last 20 years or so leading up to the lockdown. And, and at that point, I realized I have a lot more time. Maybe now is the time. And, you know, something in, in my mind said, okay, now, now is the time. So let me put my mind to this and really try to get it done and make it part of who I am. And, you know, earlier conversations, you may recall, it was one of those things where, you know, let's see if I can run to the end of the block. and I couldn't. And, you know, let's see if I can run, you know, 500 feet without having to stop. And then, you know, 600 feet and so on. And it really took, I think, a month or two before I could run my first mile. You know, the mm. first mile I had run since I was probably a teenager. And it's one of those things where, if I had tried to do it when it wasn't the time, I probably wouldn't have worked. And, you know, I've had a little um, flirtations with with trying this out over the years and realized pretty quickly that it wasn't the time, so I didn't put too much into it. But, you know, 40 years is a or waiting till you're 40 is (laughs) maybe a long time, you know. But, you know, at this point, uh, I can easily, you know, run you know, two miles in a good time for my age. And I'm in pretty good shape. And I, you know, work out five, six times a week. And it's part of who I am, but it took a year or two of slow incremental progress to get there. But the main thing that allowed me to have a seat at the table was realizing that, okay, now was the time and it, it wasn't in the past. And frankly, I don't, I'm just talking aloud, but I don't know how one develops that. I think the biggest issues that I've seen over my lifetime is, you know, the the times that society say, you know, says now is the time for X doesn't always align with what I thought would make sense for me. And I think that's been a large part of my personal struggle over the years. And it's a lot easier as an adult to make those decisions. And of course, you're on much more stable ground. But I can realize that, you know, that being a, a big thing to think about when you're young, and frankly, you know how does one cultivate it maybe it's already there and it's part of us to not you know part of um you know the the parents roles or the the caregivers roles to not stamp that down i don't know just talking out loud here but it, it is a very important point
1: i i no i, I love i love hearing that story um and i think i So I've been, I realized over the last three months, I, I was kind of, I was taking too many meetings, basically. And I was letting my calendar fill up with with meetings and like I had no work time, like to, to do the work that comes out of those meetings, whether it's with a new client or, or, or an existing client. And so one of the first things I did was plan out my calendar for 2022 a little more effectively where I've blocked off enough time to get work done so that it's going to mean I have fewer meetings, but my own mental health should be stronger. Like my work should be better. It's it's like, and I'm, I'm sure there are other examples of, This same idea of i don't know maybe it's like the age where being kind of confident in abilities and kind of knowing what i want to do with my life and choosing you know what I, i i don't want to work that take that extra meeting i'd rather play an hour of zelda um, but it's only because I've gotten past the, like, the, the building stage of life, I guess I'd say, or something like that. Or, like, I I had the ambition and grit, and I, I definitely can't turn that part off, but I can... Control my own time, a little bit, and I—I I, it's like you, said, like you said, it's that subtle distinction between. I'm really enjoying Zelda. I'm going to keep playing. Whereas you, if you're not, if you're not enjoying it, then yeah, it's like, why are you going to spend time doing something you're genuinely not enjoying? I I, I really right. get that. And part of it, like, maybe it's because it's that open world perspective where, like, you start off on this. For those who never played the game, you start off on this kind of small, contained area. You have to build up certain skills before you can leave that area. And I took a long time doing that. Like, I just, that, that exploring is like, maybe I just spent more time practicing before going out and really challenging myself. I'm definitely not going through the game. Like, I think the pace that I'm going through this game, it might take me three years to finish. And I'm okay with that because I'm enjoying the playing part, like like all the little parts along the way. But like, I, I I I can't imagine pick, spending time picking up a second video game in the next three years. And this is only like just a random, a friend got a, I think he got a new PS5, what a new playing system is, and just had this sitting in a box and wanted to give to the kids. And I've been playing after the kids go to bed mostly. Um, so it's like, I wasn't even a conscious choice, but it's like, once I plugged in, it's like, I haven't played a video game since like Madden 2004 on a PS2. I kind of miss playing video games. I remember, um, uh, I play in high school. My family had a Nintendo 64. I was playing Zelda Ocarina of Time and I went off to college but the Nintendo sixty four stays at home because I have a younger brother, younger sister, and it's a stay in the family. So I never finished that game. And so it's like, is there a little bit of like weird, like childhood regret of like not finishing that game from twenty years ago? All
0: right. If I had to like pull away the the core. It- issue it it seems like you know one of the hard things to do as an individual and you know as an individual in society is to learn how to say no
1: that is really that's a good point that Yeah, it's not just saying no to like other people asking for your time. It's almost like saying no to societal expectations of things that you don't really care about or want to do. Right. Again, that's, but I would not let my 10 year old do that. Like she, she hasn't built up that that subtle judgment, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, so it seems like these come in layers, right? You you want the ability to know how to fail, right? And if if you have a good understanding of that, then it's easier to um, have more command of the, the harder one, I'd say, which is learning how to say no. Or you know, they're both equally hard, but you can I can see how having the grit to persevere when times are tough is something you probably want in place first.
1: That's a really good that's a really good point. It it's it reminds me of like the uh um the best leaders are not the ones who seek leadership but of leadership thrust upon them. It, it's the people who person who wants to be a leader probably wants to be a leader for the wrong reasons. Or well, that's person who uh, kind of accidentally or is forced to take up the mantle can be a good leader. It feels like you don't get to say no until you have the grit first. Mm-hmm. But once you have the grit, being able to transition to sometimes turning it off becomes important.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, and like you and again this is like that that this is the whole spectrum idea it's like if you never develop the grit the first time never quite have the ambition you're kind of floundering through life if you go all the way to the other end and you have all the grit and all the ambition in the world you probably become a workaholic and you never get actually get to enjoy life you have to find that mm-hmm. place in the middle for you and right, that, that snowboarding balance. Yes, yes, there you
0: go. Full circle.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's that you, you, you need to develop that that grit. You need to develop that, that skill of I need I need to be able to push through when I know I need to. But then also Developing that judgment of. I don't need to push through this thing. I can let this thing go. I guess almost like understanding why.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: (sighs) This is good. I like this. I want to go play Zelda now. (laughs) After lunch. Right like during my lunch hour. (laughs)
0: <laughs> good stuff aaron
1: yeah what 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 are you going to do with the rest of your day
0: <laughs> uh, i'm going to go back to playing legos with my daughter
1: oh that's a good one legos is a good one too that that like building block do you do you follow the instructions or build freeform
0: uh, when it's my wife and I, we do the instruction thing. But with my daughter, it's it's definitely free form. She got her first, um, made you know decent set for Christmas. Okay.
1: Uh, I've actually found the other way. Like uh, growing up, my brother and I loved Legos. We would do all free form. We just dump them all on a huge blanket. So we have so you could pick up the corners of the blanket to pour it back in the bucket to, for cleanup. And I tried, like, instilling that with my kids but they actually prefer to follow the instructions and have the thing completed. And so like, they have, uh, ships and vehicles from Harry Potter and Lego movie, Lego movie two. Uh, so like I, I made the mistake early on, like, okay, we built it. Okay. Let's break it down and put it back in the big bin and we'll build something else. I think that that hurt them more than I realized. So now, mm. if they build something they want to keep it, I, I let them keep it.
0: Oh, mm hmm. Like that trophy. was one of
1: those. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, here, here's the, the result of your hard work kind of thing.
0: Yeah, gamified. Oh.
1: <laughs> okay, I think I don't want to go down that path today. <laughs> I think we're. Bat, snowboarding is balanced, full, full circle. I think that's good. <laughs>
0: Right, good, good stuff, Aaron. And if you're well, so also you know our listeners. If you're ever coming up with any ideas where you you figured or you you found your own personal balance, but you realize maybe you put in too much or too little effort to get in there, or you found your own success stories, we'd love to hear what you have to say about that.
1: Yeah, I'd love to hear more stories of that, like developing the grit and ambition, but developing that skill to say no, or finding that balance, or finding that that middle part of the spectrum i'd love to hear more examples of that
0: great well you know that thanks everybody for listening and thanks aaron i enjoyed the conversation bye bye
1: we appreciate you joining us today for this episode of the mind money spectrum podcast be sure to visit mindmoneyspectrum.com to access the entire library of episodes remember it's not black and white but the wide spectrum of gray area where you get to pursue the freedoms you want in life Opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested in directly. Have a nice day.